Hello everybody and welcome to podcast number 44. Today I have with me an actor, comedian, writer. He's performed in Miranda, Little Britain, done a double act with Tim Fitzheim, performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2007, but he's best known as Keith Bishop from The Office. It's Ewan McIntosh. Welcome Ewan, thank you for joining us. Hello, good to be here, thank you. You. Now, you actually went to Repton School in Derby, and from there you went on to study linguistics at the University of Edinburgh, where you were actively involved in the Edinburgh University Theatre Company and the Improverts. So, did you know from a really early age that you wanted to entertain? Uh, not really. I didn't ever think of it as a possibility, as a career because I was kind of, um, went to public school and it was very much encouraged to do something academic and look at something academic, you know, in terms of uh, further education. So the idea of sort of going to a drama school instead of a university was always uh, frowned upon. So I actually sort of thought I would, I always enjoyed acting and uh, doing that sort of stuff but thought I might be a, become a journalist. Uh, so I was, gonna, I was trying to, do a, to, to, to get the idea of doing a sort of a media degree through. My housemaster at school was very much, uh, very much against that. So, so he didn't want me to do a Mickey Mouse degree. So um, I ended up going to Edinburgh, mainly because... Uh, I knew that the Edinburgh Festival was there every year and thought it would be a good chance to get involved with that. So although I was doing uh, looking maybe to go into journalism or something like that, the back of my mind was always to be able to be involved with, you know, entertaining and uh, drama, etc. Brilliant. And did you find that, because the Improverts were actually an improv group, and do you find improv has actually helped you with your career? Has that been quite a firm foundation? It was definitely, it was definitely good training in, for, in terms of not going to, say, drama school, uh, but instead doing improv workshops, which we did a couple of times a week, and then performing literally to a live crowd once a week during term time. And then when we did the Edinburgh Fringe, we're performing to a crowd every night at midnight during the fringe. And you really learn as you go. You have to learn on your feet because uh, you can get some pretty rowdy crowds in Edinburgh at midnight. So um, if you're off your game, you can, if you have a bad show, it's, uh, they'll let you know about it. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing learning curve doing improv, definitely. It definitely helped me massively uh, throughout my career. Now, you've become a household name as Keith Bishop from the UK and your love of Scotch eggs. And the office was a huge success and it went over to America. Um, now, my kids love the USA version. They're in their 20s now. And I must yeah. admit, we had a real problem when UK went over to America. We're just getting into the American, but that's years afterwards. Um, do you think there's ever a chance that Keith might need to visit the USA's uh, office to sort them out with their accounts? Well, both series have now ended, so I would say there's no chance of that happening. <laughs> uh, the Office UK ended, obviously, uh, after the 
Christmas specials in 2005, and the American office ended a couple of years ago. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's no chance of any sort of uh, crossover, yeah. unfortunately. Do you actually um, like Scotch eggs? Um, I don't dislike them. Uh, they're one of those food items where I don't know. You don't really come. You don't. I don't really come across them that often in terms of, you know, when do you eat them? Maybe at a picnic or something like that, or at a uh, at a buffet, but uh, not much. Not much chance for picnics or buffets over the last year or so. So, uh, you know, where where do you get, where do you eat them? I don't know. That's right. And they're massive these days. They're not like the little tidy ones. I, I understand that your agent actually set you up for a role where they were looking for a Keith-type person from the office, and but you didn't get it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was for an advert, actually. It was a few years ago. And, uh, I mean, the whole thing was just massively embarrassing for me. Uh, you know, I knew I seen it, something in the back of my mind as soon as she suggested going for it. Thought I thought that it's not going to work. You know, it's too on the nose. Uh, it said they were looking for a Keith from the office type, and I thought, well, they're not going to go for it, are they? And uh, I think they were sort of they felt a bit weird that I turned up. And I felt a bit weird being at the audition, and eventually, it was, it was one of the only times when you're in, when you're an actor, you never when you go to an audition. If you don't get it, you, you just don't hear back. Uh, that's kind of the way the industry is. You know, no, no one ever sort of, or very very rarely, has someone come come back to you and say, "Oh no, sorry, we don't want you." But that was one time. They at least had the courtesy to send a note back saying, "Thanks for coming in," but yeah, it was a bit it's a bit too on the nose. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's how I didn't get the part of playing myself. But you went from Keith to actually playing God. So where'd you go from there? Yeah, I played God, yeah. Yeah, I did a play God and drunk history after drunk history. So uh, swing roundabouts really. So and you recently um played a cameo role in EastEnders. But during lockdown, you've actually found a new source of income by video messaging. And you're doing a lot of that at the moment. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a lifesaver, really, for a lot of people, I think, during lockdown. Uh, obviously not being able to do any sort of live stuff and a lot of filming just coming, grinding to a halt. These messages, I normally do them on either Cameo or the other ones called Memo. And... Uh, it's great. I mean, I enjoy doing them and they go down really well. And they're all sort of, you know, done in the Keith style. Mm -hmm. And uh, people just seem to like getting, you know, birthday message or, a, you know, a wedding day message or a stag message or anything like that from Keith. So uh, people enjoy them. So I'm happy to do them. Okay. It's, uh, it's been, yeah, like I say, it's been a real, real godsend during the lockdown. Okay. And do you ever get annoyed with Keith and think, Look, Keith was great, and people know me as Keith, but just that was just me playing a character. I, I want you to know me as Ewan. Uh, I'd rather be known uh, than not known, whether that's uh, <laughs> Keith or Ewan. So, uh, 
yeah, I'm certainly not going to complain about it, that's for sure. That's true. <laughs> um, and now, in 2009, you appeared alongside several other celebrities in a charity music video for doing Chris Ray and Driving Home for Christmas. And although you didn't appear yeah. to be doing a lot, you certainly had rhythm. But you also present quite a few music programmes, like on now 80s and now 90s. So is music quite a big part of your life? Um, it sort of is. It certainly, um, it's got me a few gigs. The fact that Keith in the office was a sort of the resident DJ uh, for any sort of function means I've, I've had quite a lot of work DJing. So it's, it's certainly... Uh, led to things like that so I tend to if I'm DJing I tend to curate this playlist to whatever event I'm doing so I'm not sort of known for any particular sort of music if somebody's if I'm DJing someone's wedding you know I'll get them to send me the playlist they want or suggestions and do that so I'm not sort of a specialist DJ where I have my own sort of you know, like like Steve Davis, the snooker player, yeah. is now a DJ of sort of weird dance trancey stuff, and he's known for that. But you know, I'll DJ any old stuff to yeah. be honest. So, do you sing a lot? No, at all, not at all. Uh, I can't sing at all. Uh, I did. We did do a, a sketch. The guys, the eyes are right. We did do a, a thing, but we uh, professional backing singers to come and do all the singing. And we just lip synced. So, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not a particularly strong singer. So, but do you play any musical instruments, or do you just enjoy listening? Uh, I mean, I played a clarinet at school, but if you gave me a clarinet now, I probably wouldn't know which end to blow into. To be honest, it's been that long since I've uh, since I played one. But uh, yeah, I'm more of a, a fan than an. Uh, Active participants. Did you take up any hobbies during lockdown? Lots of people cook sour bread or learnt an instrument. Or not uh, no, I mean, I started playing a bit of uh, online poker again, which I did quite a lot a few years ago, but then just sort of fell out of it. So I've done a bit of that, and I've done a few sort of online quizzes as well, which has been quite good fun. And... I noticed you're quite good at a um, variety of accents. So was that something that you just fell into that when you were growing up, everyone tries to talk in a different accent and it just, you just got really good at it? Or how did that happen? I guess so. I mean, again, I, I wouldn't say I'm great at it. I just, when we used to do, um, when I started doing sketch comedy and improv comedy, occasionally you'll get thrown that as a suggestion or you'll write a sketch that has, you know, Scottish people in it and so you have to take on the accent when I used I used to do a sketch group called navel gazing with three other guys and uh, they were you know absolutely amazing at accents especially my friend Dan who was in it he could just do any accent brilliantly so I was I always felt a bit kind of when it came to taking on the accent roles I'd rather defer to them uh because they were so good. I mean, I'm I'm not bad. I could do sort of, I could do sort of comedy versions of a few accents, but I couldn't. I don't think I could convince anyone I was uh, American or anything like that. Uh, 
Graham, is there anything that you'd like to ask? Um, yes, with um, improv, did, are you one of the guys on improv who would be like a, a pure improv performer from the perspective, perspective of like character and looking at a face and looking for expressions? Or are you like freeform improv from not just from following saying yes, but from an audience throwing out what the scene is going to be and how it's going to be acted out? Well, we always try to do a bit of both. I mean, our, our main show was uh, pretty much similar to Whose Line Is It Anyway? So the scenes were very structured uh, and you'd sort of fall, you'd, you'd fall, they'd all be sort of two to three minute scenes and you'd kind of follow the audience suggestions and try and flip them on their head and be a bit creative. But while you always have to, I think if you do any sort of improv like that, even the stuff that looks easy and gag based you really have to follow the rules you really have to do it properly or it just doesn't work it falls apart that's what you learn very quickly so but we also do do workshops away from the sort of public and we do longer form improv and uh, a few people would put on occasion special shows like literally just a total free form for an hour with maybe one or two suggestions to hang the whole thing on and then just uh, doing it, following the rules to get the structure and all of that. So you have to do it. I think any improv, you have to do it properly, uh, follow the rules in order to just get it, get the thing on its feet working properly. So, yeah, no, it was, it was uh, a lot of it was quite structured, gag, gaggy improv, but always, uh, you know, using the rules of improv as, uh, as the backbone. Did you find the fun? in the improv rather than find the fun in a short gag. So you'd let the, the scene be the, be the funny. The best scenes were always the ones where the improv made it, made it, and the audience can tell as well. The audience can tell if you're just, you know, making gags or if something magical is created in the moment. Those are always what you're looking for. Those are the best bits. When the improv suddenly goes somewhere when nobody, you know, you couldn't script it almost. It would just take a weird turn and uh, you get two or three performers just in synergy with each other, creating a sort of a, a magical moment. They're always the best bits, always with improv, mm -hmm. wherever you see it. So if, if the BBC was to suddenly say, Ewan, we need you, here's a, here's, here's a million. Actually, I don't think a million is enough nowadays. We want a, a six-episode series what do you think you'd come up with and say to the BBC, this is going to be the show? I'd probably try and keep it very basic and go for a, a sort of a dysfunctional family feel. Uh, I'll try and get the, and it doesn't matter where you set it almost, but get the, get the, the, the right character tropes to form what, like a lot of great sitcoms, they're basically families, you know, The Office, it's basically about a family. Forty Towers is basically about a family. Red Dwarf is about a family. They just happen to be in space or in an office or in a hotel. The relationships between the characters are still kind of quite familial. And uh, and so I think uh, if you get that aspect of it right, then you'll get something good. Yeah. Um, now, my last one is, obviously, 
everyone knows you on the TV and and also on YouTube and your your videos and the videos you've been in um, with numerous people, which are absolutely brilliant. What show, whether it's in the 60s, 70s, all the way to today, do you think if you could have had another classic part in, apart from The Office, would you have liked to have played in? Probably... Uh... Probably Seinfeld, I think. I think those guys are all iconic. Everyone, even the even Newman, you know, even the smaller parts in Seinfeld that didn't come up very often were sort of iconic and just instantly recognisable and uh, always, you know, completely razor-sharp dialogue and funny as a whip, those guys. So definitely, I think uh, Seinfeld was, for me, the, the classic sort of sitcom to be in. Cool. I, I could see you in Seinfeld and, and using yeah. your, your your acerbic whip with bang yeah. going straight on and um, that's good. Oh, that, that's me Elaine okay thank you and have you got any plans for the future uh I've got a few things uh a couple that I can't talk about really because that's the way things are these days if you do sign up to something you normally have to sign an NDA uh, so you can't really talk about it. So, but I am doing. I am exec producing a short film, uh, my first sort of production uh, part role, uh, which I think we're going to be filming in August. Uh, which is a funny short film written and directed by two really young guys who I think are going to be really good. So, got that to look forward to, and then yeah, a couple of other things as well. Brilliant. So we're going to be seeing a lot more of you in in the future then or or of you hearing of well i hope so yeah brilliant well thank you very much Ian, for your time and really appreciate it and thank you listeners for listening and how can they get hold of you just follow you on facebook and follow me on yeah twitter's is a good way just you and macintosh on twitter there's my handle fairly got in early so get my own name uh and yeah, you and Macintosh on, on Facebook if you want to be a fan of me on there. And uh, yeah, if you just Google me for Cameo or Memo, it's easy enough to find these days. It's all there. Easy, findable content. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye.